Easter. All right, well, let's go to God's word as we continue with our study through the New Testament book of Ephesians. If you've been with us, you know this very last section of the book has to do with the subject of spiritual warfare. There is a devil out there that would like to stop us from living out who God has designed us to be in Christ. And so he comes at us with all kind of evil lying schemes to try and stop that from happening. And so to counter him, we must learn how to stand firm in our identity in Christ as Christians. And we do that by putting on the full armor of God. So let's once go ahead, go, go ahead and read what Paul has to say here about the spiritual armor. Verse 10, chapter 6, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, over the past four weeks, we've been working our way through each piece of the armor one by one. Now, we've already talked about the belt. We've talked about the breastplate, the shoes, and the shield. Today, we're going to talk about the helmet. If we're going to be victorious in the spiritual battle, we're going to need a helmet. And Paul calls it the helmet of salvation. Now, to help you better understand what it's all about, what I want to do is by way of outline this morning is answer three questions for you. Here are those three questions. What does it do? How does it work? And how do you put it on? So that's what we're going to work through this morning when it comes to the helmet of salvation. Let's start with the first question. What does it do? Now, if you think about it, helmets have been around for, for forever. For, they've always been a part of culture. Um, and, and if you think about it in our culture, we've got all kinds of helmets out there. And uh, if you're going to ride the motorcycle or the, or the, or the four-wheeler, you're going to want to have this, this on here. And so that, that, that's a, one type of helmet. Now, if you're going to play sports, you're going to need a sports helmet. And uh, <laughs> this is the most beautiful helmet there is on the face of the earth. Let me tell you something. You put this helmet on, it'll solve all your problems. It did for me. I'm just saying. That's just a true testimony. But anyway, you're playing sports, you got that helmet. Um, if you're on the job site, you know, you're going to have this helmet on, right? Because you want to protect your head if you're on the construction site, things falling, all that kind of thing. Now, if you're going to war, you're going to want to have this one on. I mean, this is, is this thing cool or what? I mean, you're going to want to have this on. This, this can take a bullet. And so what you find is there's all kind of different helmets in our culture. And what I want you to understand is all of these helmets up here this morning have two very big things in common. First, think about it, each of them has a unique identity. And, and, it, and its identity determines what activities 
are carried out in the body when that helmet is on. So for instance, if I'm riding a motorcycle, I want to have this one on, right? If I'm playing football, I want to have the football helmet on. If I'm on a construction site, I want to have that helmet on. If I'm on the battlefield, I don't want this on because this can't take a bullet. I want this one on my head if I'm on the, the battlefield. What I want you to understand is identity defines activity. What you do with the helmet. Now, the second thing all these helmets have in common is this. Each is meant to protect the head from injury. I think that's very obvious. Well, the very same things could be said about the Roman soldier's helmet. And that's the helmet that Paul has in mind here in verse 17 when it comes to the spiritual battle. And here's what it did. The helmet provided identity and safety for the Roman soldier. Okay? The helmet provided identity and safety for the Roman soldier. Now, the helmet was a very fascinating piece of the armor. It was very flamboyant. It was very ornate. It was intricate. Often, the Roman soldier's helmet looked more like a piece of artwork than it did a helmet. It was most often made of heavy brass, and it was fitted to the soldier's head with all kind of engravings and etchings on it. it. It was not uncommon to find farm scenes with all kind of animals depicted on that helmet. Sometimes the actual helmet itself would be molded to look more like the head of a horse or a lion or an elephant. And often there would be engravings on that helmet that would depict the glories of the Roman Empire and then all kind of things that were personal and special to that particular soldier, reminding them whom it is they were fighting for, whom it is they were representing. And on top of each helmet was a high plume of bright red dyed horsehair. So understand, you could spot a Roman soldier uh, for miles around. I mean, it was easy to know who a Roman soldier was. And that plume not only identified them as a Roman soldier, depending on the length of it, and which way it was fashioned on top of the helmet, you could tell a soldier's rank and from what region of the empire he was from. So think about this. The etchings, the molding of the helmet, the, the plume were all about the soldier's identity. But identity was only part of the helmet's purpose. The helmet also protected the soldier's head in battle. And so it was, it was very heavy, it was very thick, because it was designed to take the blow of a battle axe or a sword. How many remember the story when Jesus was in the Garden of, Gets, or, or the Garden of Gethsemane and they came to arrest him? You remember what Peter did? He, he pulled out his sword, and remember he cut the guy's ear off? Can you understand he was not trying to cut the guy's ear off? He was trying to split his skull open, because the quickest way to defeat your enemy is a blow to the head. And so if a Roman soldier went into battle without a helmet, the most important part of his body would be left vulnerable to attack his head. And more importantly, what's in his head? His brain. Because if something happens to the brain, the rest of the body can't function as intended. Think about it. If you move your left arm, it's because your brain told your left arm to move. If you get up and walk, the reason is, is because your brain told your legs what to do. Everything that your body does 
is commanded by the brain. So think about this. Your brain governs your body. So your brain must be kept safe on the battlefield if you're going to have victory. Well, same when it comes to the spiritual battle. You have to understand the devil's plan to attack you is to attack your mind with his lying schemes. Because he knows as if he can get you to think wrong thoughts, it leads to wrong actions. Victory in the spiritual battle is always tied to proper programming up here, to proper thinking. This is why the helmet is about salvation for the Christian in the spiritual battle. So think about where we've been so far as we work through the armor. The belt was all about truth. The breastplate was about righteousness. The shoes about peace. peace. The shield was about faith. And the helmet is about salvation. Now, I want you to notice the word salvation here in the verse. Let's go back there for a moment. It says, take the helmet of salvation. Now, that word salvation is a Greek word, soteria, and it means safety, rescue, or deliverance, particularly from an enemy. And the, and the idea is as in the delivering power of God. That's the context of that word salvation there. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, pastor, I'm already a Christian. I've already put my faith in Jesus, so that must mean I already have the helmet on. No, it just means you have a helmet. And that's a good thing, but it doesn't mean you have it on. You say, how do you know that? Well, I want you to remember that Paul is writing here in Ephesians to Christians. People who were already saved, they were already going to heaven. That's not the issue. They're already children of God. But he tells them, notice, they have to learn to take or what? Put on the helmet of salvation. Why? I'm about to give you a statement that's going to blow your mind. And I'm going to lead to help you understand it. Here's the deal. Why? Because you can be an unsaved, saved Christian. That's a Christian who has a helmet, but doesn't know how to put it on. And, it, and it's why they are losing the spiritual battle, even though they're a Christian. And that's a shame. Look, we have to learn how to put on the salvation that we already have. We have to learn how to apply it practically in our lives. And when we do, it helps us be victorious in the spiritual battle. So here's what salvation does when it comes to the spiritual battle. Salvation provides the Christian soldier with their identity and their safety in Christ. That's what the helmet of salvation does. Now let's move on to the second question. If that's what it does, well then how does it work? Well, to understand the helmet of salvation and how it works, you need to understand something about salvation. And it's this, salvation is a process, not an event. Now if you've been with us for any length of time, You've heard me talk about this issue before. I think it seems to me like almost every series that we're in, we run into this issue, we talk about it, how it applies to the series that we're in. 
We've even talked about it a few times as we've made our way through the book of Ephesians. Let me explain it to you this way. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you became a Christian, only one third of you was immediately saved. You see, you are made up of spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit was saved the very moment you put your faith in Christ. Okay, remember, your spirit, which was dead, came alive in Christ Jesus. Amen? Okay, there was a resurrection that took place on the inside of you. You became alive to a relationship with God. You became alive to the things of God. Jesus called it in John chapter 3, being born again. So get this, at the moment of your conversion, you experience something called justification. Say, what is that? Well, justification is freedom from the penalty of sin. So let me tell you what that means. Because you're in Jesus, you're no longer going to hell anymore when you die because you're going to heaven because your sins have been forgiven. Amen? You're no longer an enemy of God because of sin, but you are now a child of God in Christ. That is settled because of what Jesus did for you on the cross and you put your faith in him. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 5, we have been justified now by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, one day when Jesus comes back again, you're going to get a brand new body. Doesn't that sound great? Oh, that deserves an amen. One day when Jesus comes back, you're going to get a brand new body. Amen. Get this, one that will be free forever from the curse of sin. So let me tell you what that means. No more death, no more pain, no more dysfunction, no more trudging through emotional issues, no more disease, no more possibility, get this, of ever sinning again. Isn't that going to be glorious? That's why it's called glorification. So what I want you to understand is this. Glorification is freedom from the presence of sin forever. That will happen in the future at the second coming of Christ and the spiritual battle will be over. Amen? Now, let's talk about the soul part of you. This is where the spiritual battle takes place. This is where the spiritual battle is won or lost in the Christian life. And this is what the helmet of salvation is all about. What you have to understand is this. God is working in your life as a Christian right now. You're already a Christian, but he is working right now in your life as a Christian to save your soul. Because if that happens, then sanctification could take place in your life. You say, well, what is sanctification? Sanctification is freedom from the power of sin in your life. So I want you to understand it this way. When you get saved, your spirit is saved automatically. Amen? It's saved immediately. But your soul is yet to be saved. And that happens over time as you serve the Lord and the Lord transforms you from the inside out. Okay? Your soul, you say, what is my soul? Well, it's your, it's your mind, it's your, it's, your, it's your will, it's your emotions. In fact, the Bible often refers to the soul as your heart. God loves you and saves you in Christ the way you are, warts and all. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. 
And so he goes to work by his spirit to transform you from the inside out, get this, to set you free from the power that sin has over your mortal body. Why? Because he doesn't want sin to ruin your life. Because he knows that it brings death and decay and destruction. He doesn't want sin to bring the pain that is so often associated with it. He doesn't want sin to keep you from the very best that he has for you. He wants you to walk in victory over sin, not just in eternity, but in this life too. Now the way that he works to transform you. Let me tell you where that process begins. He works to transform you through the vehicle of your mind. Because if your mind experiences salvation, then your body will fall in line. You see, where the mind goes, the body follows. Where the mind goes, the body follows. God understands that. And guess who else understands that? The devil. He knows that. You see, the devil's game plan to defeat us involves getting us to sin. Wasn't that what what it was in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve, I got to get you to sin because I want to ruin your lives. I want to ruin your relationship with God. I just need to get you to sin. His tactic has not changed. He wants to get you to sin. Because he knows if he can get you to sin, he knows the wages of sin doesn't lead to good things. Sin always leads us away from God, not towards him. It always leads us away from our identity in Christ, not towards it. So here's what the devil's plan is. He wants to get you to sin and his evil scheme to get you to sin is aimed at your mind. He doesn't want you to listen to what God has to say. He doesn't want you to live by faith in the ways of God. Instead, he wants us to listen to what the world has to say. He wants us to listen to what our sinful, broken flesh has to say. He wants us to listen to what he has to say. What he wants to do is he wants to blind your mind. He wants to confuse your mind about what God has to say. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to believe him Instead, he wants you to trust your own sinful flesh rather than what God has to say. See, what I want you to get is there is a very real spiritual battle going on over your mind. See, many Christians, I think we we kind of get the idea that, well, the spiritual battle is going on on just the outside of me. And that's true because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? principalities and all kind of things. So certainly the spiritual battle we deal with on the outside of us, but the majority of the spiritual battle is going on inside your mind. In your thought life. You know, when I think of this, I remember as a kid growing up and it's not like this nowadays and I guess I'm getting older and this proves it. But uh, I remember Saturday mornings used to, young people, Saturday mornings used to be cartoon time. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Eight in the morning until like noon. It was pure cartoons. So what comes to my mind is you remember the cartoons with Bugs Bunny or, or uh, uh, Tom and Jerry, and there would always that scene come up with the devil on the one shoulder and an angel, and then they're, they're listening to both voices. There's a lot of truth in this right here. Okay? This is where the spiritual battle is taking place in between, in your mind. And it's intense. You know it. The reason 
Often why we can't control our bodies is because our mind is so unsaved. Let me say that again. The reason we can't control our bodies is because our mind is so unsaved. That's why a renewing of your mind has to take place. Now, now you kind of understand this if you've been a Christian for any length of time. How many know when you became a Christian, there was this new energy inside of you because your spirit was saved, but there's still a lot of things you didn't know and you still lived like a heathen, right? Now, some of us still live like a heathen, but we're not quite the heathen we used to be. We've made some progress, right? So what happens is your mind is yet to be saved. So you're still thinking like the world. You're still thinking thinking uh, like you used to think, but you're still, still relying on your flesh to, to make every decision rather than on the word of God. But what happens over time is the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. The word of God begins to speak to you. God begins to infiltrate your mind. And you know what happens? Your mind starts to be renewed. And once your not, mind starts to be renewed, what happens? The body starts to follow. And it's a struggle and it's a battle, but we, we're not who we used to be. Because God has been in the process of saving our mind and our soul ever since we came to know Jesus. How many can say amen to that? You see that in your own life. This is why Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Look at this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, he just spent 11 chapters talking about the the gospel what God has saved you from, how nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ, how you're a child of God and all that God has done for you. So in light of all the wonderful grace and mercy, everything that God has done in Christ for you, here should be your response to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Watch this, to be nice people. Well, that's part of it. To be what? Holy and pleasing to God. And watch what it says. This is your true and proper worship. In the words of Jesus, this is how you worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, how are you going to do that? That's easier said than done. Well, watch this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When that happens, look what it says. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See that? Some of us are like, I'm always confused about what God is up to and I cannot hear God's voice. It could be that your mind, the reason is, is because your mind is blocking the clarity. Because your mind needs to be renewed. You're thinking like the world. You're letting your flesh control your life rather than God. You're thinking, you're thinking thoughts that are not proper thoughts, and that's one of the reasons why you have trouble discerning God's will in your life. If you want to control your body, you first have to control your mind. And to do that, you do that by allowing God to transform your mind. When your thoughts line up with God's thoughts... When you decide to put your faith in what he has to say, here's what happens. You protect yourself from the evil schemes of the enemy that he has aimed at your mind. Because he wants to come through your mind to get you to sin to ruin your life. Okay, you understand? He doesn't have to 
to stay with sin and babysit it in your life. He just needs to get you to sin and sin does the rest. That's his scheme. That's his plan. So you've got to learn to allow your mind to be transformed. Now, here's how the helmet of salvation, that's how the helmet of salvation works. Now, I have a statement in your notes, and it's this. Salvation of your spirit is automatic. Okay? Salvation of our soul takes work. Now, that does not mean that you have to earn it or you have to make it happen yourself. What it means is this. You have to learn to put on what God says you need to put on in order to protect you and save you from the enemy's schemes. Okay? God will be faithful to speak to you. I guarantee it. If you have Jesus living on the inside of you, God is going to speak to you. You know this because often you come to church and you're like, was the pastor following me around this week? Like, did the Lord tell him about my life? No, we just preach the word of God. And what happens is, is, is God begins to speak to you by the Holy Spirit. And he begins to put his hands on issues of your life. So here's the deal. You don't have to figure it out. You just need to say, God, what do you want? Well, I just need to have my, what are you saying to me in my life? Salvation of our spirit is automatic. Salvation of our soul takes work because we have to learn how to put on what God is telling us to put on. This is what Paul meant when he said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13, continue to work out your salvation. He's talking to Christians here. He's like, you guys have been saved for a long time, but you need to continue to work out your salvation. Watch this. With fear and trembling, otherwise you take God seriously. That's the idea of that. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God's got plans for you. God's got healing for you. God's got a destiny for you. But you have to be willing to put on what he's already given you. You know, this is the same thing that Paul is talking about back in Ephesians chapter 4. It's just, it's just in the form of the armor. He's already talked about this in Ephesians. And, and look what he says back in Ephesians 4. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. What was your former way of life? Well, the only voices you had in your life before you came to Christ were the voice of the world, the voice of the devil, and the voice of your own sinful human flesh. And that's not a good combination. But when you became spiritually alive in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, now you have a new voice in your life, and it's God's voice. And so Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Don't live the way you used to, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Now watch this. And to put on the new self. Created to be like God. And here it is again. In true righteousness and holiness. Do you understand what that is? You don't understand what we're talking about. That's sanctification. That's learning to put on the salvation that you already have. And it begins in the mind. Because where the mind goes, the body will follow. So that's how it works. Well, that leads me to the last question. Well, how do you put it on? Well, here it is. You put on the helmet of salvation by faith. 
You put it on by faith. Let, let me go back to a verse that Paul wrote about concerning our spirit being saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This is the passage where we were dead, but now we're alive in Christ Jesus. And look what Paul says down in verse 8. He's talking about our spirit being saved. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Through what? Faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so understand, your spirit was saved by the grace of God. God gave you grace. You say, what does that mean? He provided a salvation from sin named Jesus for you. All you had to do is put your faith in the salvation that God already provided for you. What I want you to understand is that the salvation of your soul, of your mind, works the same way. Sanctification works the same exact way. You put your faith in the word that he speaks to you, that he's already provided for you, protect you from the schemes of the devil aimed at your mind. You don't have to come up with it on your own. God's already provided it, and he will provide it. He's given you his word. He's given you his Holy Spirit. He will be faithful to speak to you because he who began a good work in you is faithful to Complete it. So your soul gets saved the same way your spirit gets saved. That process plays out the same way that your spirit was saved. It's by faith. It's through faith. It's believing God. It's trusting him. So let me give you three things that will help you with that process of putting your faith in God. How, how can you put your faith in God? Number one, by remembering your identity in Christ. Let's go back to the helmet for a moment. That helmet always helped remember, helped remind the Roman soldier who he was and what kingdom he was fighting for and what was most important because he could take it off and he can look at the plume and he can look at the etchings. And it was a reminder. Do you understand this whole book of Ephesians is about finding your identity in Christ? Do you remember how this book began? Paul says, God has already given you all the spiritual riches you're ever going to need to live in victory because he's given them all to you in Christ. You just need to learn how to draw on it. You need to learn how to access it. Remember who you are and remember what Jesus did for you. You're a child of God now. You're holy and blameless in God's sight because of what Jesus did for you. All your sins are forgiven. You have redemption. You have eternal life. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit lives in you and is going to help you and is going to be with you. You remember your identity in Christ. And when you remember your identity in Christ, it helps remind you of what your Christ did for you. And why wouldn't I want to follow a God that did that for me? So what happens is the devil comes to you and he says, you know what? You can do it your own way. You can listen to what the world has to say. And he, what he does, he tries to confuse your identity because if he can confuse your identity, he can stop you from doing what God wants you to do. So he comes to you and he lies to you, tries to cloud your mind. You say, time out. Do you know what my God did for me? He was willing to come and die on a cross for me. He gave his whole life for me. Last time I checked Satan, you didn't do any of that for me. 
So I'm going to keep my helmet on today. And I'm going to trust him. See, all that God has given you in Christ remembers what he did for you in Christ. And that's the motivation for keeping your helmet on. Because God is for me. He's not against me. He wants to rescue me. He doesn't want to destroy me. Going back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, once again, what was the idea behind there? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, all that God has done for you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So, how do you put on the helmet of salvation? By faith, number one, by remembering your identity in Christ. And here's number two, by taking every thought captive. That self sets itself up against God. You, you have to take thoughts captive. Let me tell you why. Because your sinful human flesh wants to grab onto those thoughts and meditate on them. Your sinful human flesh wants to grab onto thoughts that are not God's. And wants to build your life on those thoughts that are not God's thoughts. And so when you recognize, wait a minute, this sounds good. It feels right, but it's not God. I need to kick that thought captive. And I just say, no, 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 you're not in my house. Is that going to go on? And then what you need to do this, you've got to make every thought obedient to Christ. That's what you've got to do. And can I just tell you a little secret? Your mind may not like it. Your emotions may not like it. But I'm going to live in my identity in Christ. Parents, can I tell you, your number one job as a parent is not to raise good citizens, although that's what you want to do. Your number one job as a parent is to help them find their identity in Christ. You don't live out your identity by what your body says. You live out your identity by what God says. You don't live out your identity by what your feelings say. You live out your identity by what God says. Your number one job is to help them find their identity in Christ. And when the devil tries to cloud your mind, confuse you, and you recognize that's not a God thought, that doesn't match the word of God, you need to take that cap thought, cap thought captive, and you need to make it obedient to Christ. It's almost like with your kids, right? There are times when you have to take your kid captive and make them obedient, and they don't like it, but they'll get over it. Why? Because you want them to be healthy and mature, right? And be good citizens. I'm going to close with this scripture verse, and it just puts it all together. And we've read this several times in this series. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, Paul puts it this way. So though we live in the world, this broken world with its mess, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, watch this, divine power. Whose power? God's power. You need God's power to overcome sin, amen? He'll provide it. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, watch this, strongholds. That word in the Greek literally means prisons. See, let me get this picture in your mind. Here's what happened. The moment you put your faith in Christ, the prison door of the cell was opened. 
Now you gotta learn to walk out because the door's open. You don't have to stay bound by that sin anymore. You don't have to stay there anymore. The door's open. And you get up and you start to walk by faith. You trust God. And when you do, what happens? The power of God transforms you. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Watch this. We demolish arguments and every pretension, every evil scheme, every trick the devil is trying to play that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do you see that? This is what the helmet of salvation is all about. You got to learn to put it on. You got to learn to keep it on. You have to learn to keep it snug. Because the devil's going to look for one little opening. He's going to look for it through your mind. And your mind accesses your will and your heart and your emotions. So the helmet will protect you in the spiritual battle. Would you bow your heads with me? I don't know where you're at in your life this morning, but I feel like the very first thing that God wanted to do this morning is clear some things up for you. Because the devil has been blinding your mind. You have bought a world full of lies. And I feel like the Lord would come to you this morning and say, says to you, I love you. I care about you. He's not trying to hold you down or make you miserable. He's trying to save you. Because his intention isn't just to save you from hell for all of eternity. He wants to save you in this life as well. But you keep... I mean, you got Christian brothers and sisters telling you, and you got the Word of God telling you, and, you, and you, the devil keeps saying, no, no, you can do it your way. And, and the Lord's just trying to wake you up this morning and say, hey, let, let's try to do it my way. And that won't be easy because your body will come kicking and screaming. But if you'll walk by faith with God, He'll bring you victory, He'll set you free. He doesn't want you to get locked in a prison that sin can bring. He wants you to be free. So if you're here this morning and there's any area of your life that is not on track with God and the Lord is dealing with you about it right now, would you just say, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take this issue captive and I'm gonna take it to the Lord right now and put it at his feet. Lord, would you forgive me for not paying attention? Lord, would you forgive me for going the wrong direction. I, I submit to you in these areas of my life so that I can walk in victory when it comes to my body, when it comes to my life. Look, when you, when you bring it to the Lord, listen, the power of God can not only forgive you, but there is power to transform you. It says in the Bible, if we confess all our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all un righteousness so that's you would you do that right where you're at right now 
Lord, it's time I get my, my mind lined up with you. There's another group of people in here this morning before we close, and it's this. Maybe you don't even have the helmet in your life because you have never put your faith in Jesus for your salvation. That's where it all begins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, you don't have to clean yourself up and then come to God. The good news of the gospel is you come to God and then God will help clean you up from the inside out as you, as you learn to walk with him. You're here this morning and you have never put your faith in Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to say a prayer for you, lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I do want to pray with you right where you're at. And so with every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you want to put your faith in Jesus, would you just slip up your hand for a moment and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to put my faith in Jesus. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. If you raise your hand, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer of faith. You raise your hand would you pray this with me christians if you've already prayed this prayer would you pray it with us dear god come to you today and i thank you that you love me so much that you sent your one and only son to die for my sins so that i could be forgiven and be made right with you for all of eternity i ask you jesus to come into my heart come into my life and be my savior and be the lord of my life from this day forward i confess my sins to you i ask you to forgive me come into my heart help me to serve you from this day forward with all my heart all my mind all my soul and all my strength in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that there is victory in you. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room right now that is struggling with issues of sin. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would turn to you knowing that there is power to free them in the name of Jesus that they will come to you. Lord, I pray it in the name of Jesus, Lord. We love you. And we thank you and we give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we said, amen, amen. I'm going to ask my prayer partners that they come right now. If you have a need in your life as we close, we'll be up here to pray over that issue in your life. If you gave your heart to Jesus for the very first time, come see us as well. We'd love to encourage you in your faith. The rest of it, God bless you. And don't forget Easter next week. We're going to have a powerful weekend here. We'll see you next time.